to. Hello, and welcome to G Talk and All That Jazz. This podcast is really the testimony of a friendship that spans over four decades. A friendship between two black professionals that began in Harlem, New York in the mid 1970s. As young men, both learning from each other on how to navigate the sometimes formidable and unapologetic streets of Harlem, New York, both here and now, still standing with a wealth of transferable knowledge. As you join G and Jazz on their journey of reflection, listen, listen closely for the true messages about friendship, morality, and brotherly love, because their trials and tribulations come at a cost. G and Jazz will talk and share their thoughts and opinions on a variety of topics, from love and relationships, to family and politics, and of course, friendship. Again, welcome to G Talk and All That Jazz. Enjoy the journey and old and buckle up. So Jazz, what's going on, Papa Doc? Long time no see, man. I know, man. How was your Christmas, my friend? How was your Christmas, my friend? It was kind of shaky, man. This time, man. Shaky. Uh, yeah, man. We you remember, man, we lost our childhood friend, Sheree, yes. tonight on Christmas yes. Day. And um, that kind of hit me kind of hard. It was yeah. unexpected. You know, they yeah. said that she was uh, cooking and laid down and didn't wake up. 54 years old, man. So, um, you know, it, it just... um. This, this entire year, man, has been just, you know, it, it's been a time of just um, looking at things differently in life and not so focused on um, uh, sometimes what we think are important. And then we really find what is really important, man. And it's like it's family and friends are so important. Family and friends, man. So family very and important. Friends. And so, yeah, man, I, 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 totally, I totally understand, man. And so we're looking to get out of 2020, though, right? Are we yeah, looking to get out of 2020? Um, I'm just looking towards the future, man. Pressing on. You got to press. Um, yep. You can't give up. You got to keep keep the faith. Um, there's silver linings in, in all of this. You and I creating this podcast was a silver lining. Um, the, 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 the amazing guests that we have had on the podcast is the silver lining. The information we are putting out and sharing to the public has been amazing, man. Just, you know, so there's always a silver lining in bad situations, man. But I did want to uh, talk about, I did want to talk about one thing before okay. we jump into, into the podcast. So I heard that um, this is in reference to um, black young men still being killed by police. So mm. over 95 black men have been killed by police officers since the George Floyd incident. Wow, I didn't know that. So yeah, so we we still have a very long way to go yeah. in, in addressing these issues with um, reform with the police department, social justice. We we still have a very long way to go, and um, it was troubling. And then compounded, I saw something on one of the social media platforms that talk talked about in Minnesota that they approved a church to uh, be a, a white-only church. Holy cow. It was approved that is a, a white-only church. So guess what, brother? We are hustling backwards. I think you're going to lose that bet that you and I made regarding this social change. Remember how we talked about Don't forget that, bro. No, I'm, I'm keeping the faith. It's going to be a long time. But I know you are. I'm keeping It's going to be a long time before we get where you, where you think we're going to be, bro. I mean, I have the faith as well. 
and I want the change January 20th, we're gonna get the change, we have a new president, but there's no guarantee that's, you know, it's gonna take more than just uh, a change at the helm, at the head, we're gonna to have to do some other things. I mean, think about this vaccine now and, um, and this, this COVID-19. Um, I, I don't know if I told you, but uh, on Monday, I found out that uh, a high school friend of mine's, he died from COVID-19, went mm -hmm. to the hospital, got tested, they said he had it, um, let him go home, and two days later, he's dead, you know? And that's why I'm so happy that we're doing this um, part two of this podcast, uh, The Cure. And I'm happy to have Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick on with us. And I just wanna give um, our listeners some, some background on, Ms. on Dr. Fitzpatrick. Uh, she's an infectious disease physician and public health expert trained in public health at the CDC. She's a founder of Grapevine Health, a company she started to help the community better understand health information and health care. But before we bring Dr. Fitzpatrick on, uh, Jazz, let's get your disclaimer in because we want to make sure we got your disclaimer <laughs> in before we start, before we get anybody in trouble. We have Dr. Fitzpatrick, we, we, have, get, have, a we, disclaimer got, we have a disclaimer. We know a lot of people and we did a lot of things. So right. we got to get this public service announcement. People's names might come up. That's right. Bong, sure bong, bong, that bong, bong, ourselves. bong, right. bong, public service announcement. <laughs> He's a doctor, right? Okay. <laughs> all the information you're about to receive is all true. True. Names, dates, and events will not be changed. If we happen to drop your name in one of these stories and it causes a divorce, you lose your little girlfriend, your little boyfriend, half of your material possessions, we are sorry. But we are Beyonce sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and he's the smart one. See, I, I want everybody to know that he is the smart one. I don't know about it. I love it. <laughs> so let's so jump this right in. Now, yeah, jump right let's, in. Let's jump right into this. So we, we this is part two. Um, of our discussion uh, um, uh, about the vaccine, to, to vaccine or not to vaccine, that is, that is the true question. As Gary stated in a very abridged ver version of Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick um, bio, she has been in the community outreach uh, um, uh, genre or industry or game, however you wanna put it, for decades. And she comes with a wealth of information yeah. and in the previous episode, we kind of was just throwing questions out there, kind of pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. But with this particular podcast, I think it's very important that we want to inform the community. And there's, there's no other better guest that we can have to, to get this message out. So right, right off the bat, Dr. Fitzpatrick, please explain to our listeners why this vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, why this vaccine should be viewed as safe for public use and more specifically safe for the black and brown community. Well, thank you so much. I was, you know, before I answer that, I just have to say, I was starting to wonder if I was gonna get a chance to speak <laughs> she got jokes i love it <laughs> wow i have a lot to say mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's a great question. And I've been out in the community uh, during the pandemic. So I've been hearing a lot of information from people about coronavirus, about COVID-19, and now about this vaccine. So I'm glad you're having this show. The most important thing people need to know about safety and not necessarily just with this vaccine, but think about all the medications you take or the medications you buy at the CVS or the Rite Aid or the Dwayne Reader or wherever you get medications. Before all those medications can be available, they have to go through a research process just like we are conducting with these vaccines. And there's a process to make sure they're safe. So you may have heard in listening to the TV doctors and the news, uh, the news commentators that research happens in phases. And there are three phases you're hearing about. But the most important phase to, to respond to this question, the most important phase is phase one. Phase one is when they determine if the product is safe. So again, whether it's those medications you take every day or a vaccine, including all the vaccines you may or may not have had to send your kids to school or vaccines you've had as an adult, they all have to go through these phases before they can be delivered or given to the general public. So phase one, the whole purpose of phase one, which is before a lot of people take these medicines or vaccines, they look at whether or not it's safe in a very small number of people. And that's when they know which side effects to expect. And the side effects won't be the same in every person. Some people won't have any side effects at all. And some people might have random side effects, but they determine a lot of this in the phase one. So I'm harping on this because I want people to understand by the time the vaccine gets to phase three, and I was in a vaccine trial, so we can talk about that. I was in phase three of the vaccine trial. Before it can even get to phase three, we have to know it's safe. Nobody died in the phase one. No one was permanently uh, debilitated or crippled or anything like that in the phase one. So that's how I had the confidence to sign up to be a participant in the trial because we already knew it was safe. So I think I'm gonna stop there and see if y'all have any questions about that. So I, I just need to overemphasize the safety information was known before thousands of people were enrolled in these studies. How, how can we overcome? I, I, everything that you said, I, I completely, I get. But how can we overcome the historical trauma that has happened um, in the sake of science? Yeah. Science has not really been good to black and brown people for right. centuries. How can we overcome that? Because I think, you know, just, you know, I think that that is the, the wall that's there. I think that's the wall that, that is there and is compounded by a general distrust of our government. 
how can we how can we over overcome that that messaging not messaging how can we overcome the realities of what science has done to black and brown people in particular to african americans well first i want to distinguish science from the people because the researchers the ones who are engaging in science and research they're the ones that make the decisions about how to treat people you know how to conduct these studies and so i just I want people to understand science in and of itself is not bad. In fact, we benefit from science all the time, including going back to the medications I was just talking about. If we lined up 10 people, if we just randomly picked 10 people and asked them if they had ever taken a medication, probably all of them would say, yes, they are benefiting from science. If we ask parents if they've ever allowed their children to have a vaccination, they are benefiting. We're all benefiting from science. Where this has taken a wrong turn is when people practice unethical um, or when people implement unethical practices in um, scientific studies and research. So I've heard more about the Tuskegee study mm -hmm. from the community in the last nine months than I have in my whole career. And I spent 15 years working on HIV. So even more than that. And so I think the, the challenge for us is we have to recognize what happened those 40 years doing that study and we have to also help people understand what did and what didn't happen. There's a lot of misinformation about it. People say these men were injected with syphilis. And because they believe that, this is transferring to what's happening now. Well, I don't want you injecting me with coronavirus. Right. The truth is the men had syphilis. Mm -hmm. They were not injected with syphilis, but a treatment became available to treat syphilis the men already had and it was withheld from them. Right. That's the first thing. So what happens is a lot of, you know, a lot of this, the details get lost. And because information is spreading on the grapevine from generation to generation, we know that something horrible happened to black people, but we don't know exactly what it was. And so that feeds distrust. But I think we need information we need to make sure our community understands that as a result of what happened in Tuskegee, we now have protections in place for research to be conducted. We didn't have informed consent. These men, they were not educated about what was happening to them. They were not in a position. They weren't given a choice. They were not able to say, no, I don't want that because they were uninformed. And now the federal government has put in place these measures that require anybody who's going to be in a research study to have to know exactly what's happening and is by your consent. And even right. if you consent and then decide you don't want to participate, you can say, no, thanks. I changed my mind. And that's completely fine. But now here we are in 2020. 
And we're still talking about the Tuskegee experiment, even though most people don't exactly know what happened. They just know it's something bad. But not thinking about all the ways we are benefiting from science right now. Even thinking about food, we put things in our body, we put things on our skin and in our hair all the time. We have no idea what's in it. Next time you're in the grocery store, read some of the labels in the beauty aisle or even some of the packaged foods and see if you can recognize why don't we ask these kinds of questions for those things and why are we singling out vaccination? So I'm only raising these issues because these are the kinds of conversations we need to have as a community. You know, we, I don't think we should, we should pick and choose, you know, when we want to rail against science, when all of these things require science uh, for us to benefit from. So how do we move forward? We have to educate ourselves, but we also have to hold these systems ac uh, accountable for giving us the care and the attention we need. So I'm sure you guys saw the, uh, the story about the, the physician, the black lady who died from COVID-19, mm -hmm. despite mm -hmm. raising the alarm with her doctor and the doctor didn't believe her. Right. Like the, we don't have to go all the way back to Tuskegee to talk about distrust. I mean, things like this are happening right now. So I don't want us to stay bogged down with what happened with Tuskegee because we're missing these bigger issues right in front of us today. Thank you, Dr. Fitzpatrick. Um, my, um, my question is this, how does this vaccine impact our people who have medical conditions such as lupus, you know, issues with their thyroids, may have been, you know, had cancer at one time in their life. They're asthmatic, like myself. They have a, maybe a slight heart defect, like myself. How does this, and any kind of autoimmune um, deficiencies, how does this vaccine impact people like myself? Yeah, so the nice thing about these studies, and, you know, tens of thousands of people were enrolled in these studies, and it was not only, you know, healthy, fit people. Intentionally, they enrolled people with all sorts of health conditions in the studies. So they had people with cancer. I think someone was asking me about sickle cell. I'll have to look at, um, you know, in detail information about the kinds of conditions, but definitely people with heart disease, people with diabetes, cancer, high blood pressure, all of these people were enrolled in the studies because we needed to make sure that the vaccine is going to be effective for them as well. So, you know, the, the challenge is there's so much information coming out about these vaccines. And it's hard to answer everybody's questions with 100% satisfaction. We won't know every little thing we can about uh, these vaccines, but I'm very encouraged by the results of the study so far that are, show, that are showing that these vaccines are, have a very high degree of protection for all kinds of patients. And so that, that's really, uh, I think, something for us to celebrate. And we have to decide like, what is the risk? So if you're someone who has a health con chronic health condition, and we know that people who have chronic health conditions like diabetes and heart disease and cancer, they are at high risk. 
they're more likely to be hospitalized, to be in the ICU, the intensive care unit, to be put on ventilators and even to die from COVID-19 if they get sick. So you have to decide, weigh the risks and the benefits and say, would I rather take a vaccine and have a chance to be protected? Even if I don't know 100% about it, what we do know is that the people who have trouble from COVID-19 are people who have these chronic health conditions or they're older. So, you know, this is an individual decision, but I want people to have the information they need to make a decision. Now, remember, nobody died in the phase one of these studies. Nobody was permanently maimed. Someone asked me, well, don't, don't, don't those vaccines cause par paralysis or paralyze you? That's not been shown by any of these vaccines in the phase one or even up to now. Even so, the study I'm in, nobody has side effects like that. So you know, my, my, digest. So you know that that social media and, and you know, runs wild with these stories, and sometimes yes. it's very difficult to to just know what's real and what's not real with 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 um uh, some of the information that comes out. What what do you think in terms of getting that information? When you see these reports that these folks have uh, Bell's palsy and they face are twisted, I've seen them all. I ain't seen them all, but I've seen a lot of them saying that mm -hmm. this was caused by the vaccine, people fainting and, and things like that. Where should people go? Where should people go to get the, the correct information that, that the you're facts. talking about? The facts. The true facts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the truth. I don't know the facts. Sometimes facts are true. Facts. The truth. <laughs> true facts. Let's go so with that. This is, this is why I started my company, Grapevine Health, because I know that we need trusted health information that's credible and relatable, especially for people in the Black community. Because it is hard to know who to believe or who, what information to trust. Uh, so the story, you know, and when you listen to these stories on the news, they have you like three to what, seven minutes to tell a story. And usually they're interviewing someone and you can't get all the information. So what's left out sometimes is information about what we call background rates of health conditions. And so what that means is let's take Bell's palsy. If you have 10,000 people in America just living their lives and you look at how many of them might get a Bell's palsy, let's say it's like 0.5%, just by virtue of being alive, that's your chance. I'm just making this up to make mm -hmm. the point. Mm -hmm. It could be 0.5%. But then you get 10,000 people who get a vaccine and one person gets a Bell's palsy. That is a much lower number than what you would normally see just in the regular population. So the challenge with saying some of these side effects are related to the vaccines is that a lot of times these are incidents that would have happened anyway, even if the person had not gotten the vaccine. There was a case of, um, you know, some inflammation of the spinal cord that happened over in Europe and people were all up in arms saying, oh, look at what the vaccine did. And, and actually it turned out that it had nothing to do with the vaccine, but that's why they stopped these studies because they want to make sure it's safe for people. 
And so that could be what happened with Bell's palsy. But even if it was from the vaccine, again, I'm going to take you back to the risk assessment. Would you rather have a Bell's palsy that's going to last for a week? Because this reverses itself over time. Or would you rather be at risk to get COVID-19, have to be in the ICU, or maybe even die from COVID-19? Those are the kinds of questions we need to be asking ourselves. So, you know, I've I seen this, uh, I'm watching the news report on CNN and, um, and all these news channels, and they're talking about herd immunity. You know, we need to have herd immunity, and if we get herd immunity, we can, we can stop the spread of COVID-19. For our listeners, can you tell us, you know, in layman's terms, what is herd immunity and what does that mean to us, especially in our, in our communities, our Black communities? Yeah, well, the Black community is no different than every other community when it comes to herd immunity. And so herd immunity, you know, this idea of herd, it's like, you know, you have a herd of animals. They're all grouped mm -hmm. together. And if one of them, say, gets an infection and none of the other ones are protected, then the infection can run wild throughout those animals, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say uh, you have 10 cows and six of them have a, you know, let's say they get a vaccine. One of them gets the infection. There's not that many places for the, the infection to spread because six or seven of the other cows are already protected. So what we're trying to do is minimize the number of people who are susceptible to getting coronavirus infection. And that's what we mean by herd immunity. So the vaccine, there, there are two ways to achieve it. You can either get sick from whatever the infection is, or you can get a vaccine or a combination of the two. And so if we get enough people exposed to coronavirus, either through tricking the body like it was infected through a vaccine, that's all the vaccine is doing, is tricking the body into um, believing it's seen coronavirus infection or getting the infection. So if enough people have been in those two categories, once the infection gets into the population, it doesn't have anywhere to go. And so it will eventually die out. That's where nice. we're trying to go with this. And so, so I just need, yeah, go ahead. Cause I wanted to no, make gonna, point about prevention. Uh -huh. Yeah, I wanted to say that about that. Um, I had, I got tested and I have the antibodies for coronavirus. I got tested positive for the antibodies. Does that mean I still need to get the vaccine? So what are antibodies? So when you got tested for the antibodies, what, what is that? Well, that's what they said. I, I, that means that I had it at one time, that I had, uh, had COVID-19. That's exactly right. So antibodies are these proteins in your body that show up after you've had an infection. So your body is able to protect, your, protect you from getting COVID-19 again, because once it saw coronavirus, it put on an armor and it said, okay, we're ready. If we see coronavirus again, it can no longer attack Gary. Yes. Right? Yes. What do Yes. That's also what vaccines do. That's what people need to understand. So 
depending on when you got COVID-19, you may or may not need to have a vaccine. So the question that nobody knows the answer to is if you get COVID-19 and your, your body develops these antibodies or puts your armor on, yeah. how long will the armor be on? Right. That was going to be my next question. Mm -hmm. The same question for the vaccine. Even though we got a vaccine and people are getting it, is it going to protect them for six months, a year? Probably not longer than a year. We've already heard about people who've gotten coronavirus twice. Yeah. Which suggests maybe the protection doesn't last as long as we want it to. But if you just got coronavirus or COVID-19 a month ago, I, you shouldn't be in the front of the line to get a vaccine because you should be protected. You got your armor on. But if you got it, let's say back in February and you have a chronic health condition, then you might want to get in line. But it's hard to know exactly. But the, I, I, in general, that's, that's the way to think about it. So a friend of mine made a good point to me. And I think that, I think that um, this, this probably appeals to a lot of men. This is the analogy that he used. He said, um, he said, Linwood, because he don't call me Jazz. He calls me Linwood. He respects me. Well, that's your name, isn't it? As a matter of fact, he calls me Dr. McAllister. Like other people. Oh, that's not really respect, his name. Other that's people really don't want to put that respect on my check. That's not really his name. That's not really so he said, Linwood, he said, tell me what your favorite car, car is. So I, I love the Porsche, right? So I, I said, oh, I love the Porsche. I said, he said, yeah. He said, how would you want it? I said, I like the sedan, all the bells and whistles, boom, 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 boom. He said, so would you buy that car the first year it came out? And I said, whoa, I probably wouldn't. I would wait for the next year, see the consumer reports, see if they had any type of um, uh, call recalls to see if they had any kind of buyer beware or anything like that. So he said, so why are you in a rush to get this vaccine on the first round? Because I'm a pro-vaxxer. So why are you in a rush to get this vaccine on the, on the first round? He said, won't you let other people test drive it and see what the consumer reports say? What, what's your thought on that? Because I think that's the stance of a lot of folks is that they wanna wait to see how this first group responds to it. And then based on that response, then they'll make the decision to get the vaccine. So first I love analogies. So thank you very much. And I have my own car analogy, which is related to the human body. And we could talk about that on another podcast. Okay. But the consumer reports has already been done for this virus. And guess when that happened? after the phase one. So we were talking about safety, right? We knew it was safe after the phase one, which was completed early this past summer, if not late spring. That's the consumer report on this vaccine. The second thing is, and I hear this all the time when I'm in the community. Well, I'll probably get the vaccine, but I don't want to be first. Guess what? None of y'all have to be first because all of us, all of us who to participate in the clinical trials, we went first. So you're not going first. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. There okay. were 30,000 people in the Moderna trial and as many or more, I think even more in the Pfizer trial. There's an AstraZeneca trial. I mean, there are thousands, there will be hundreds of thousands of people 
who have been in these studies to test this vaccine. So I want the public to know you don't need to feel like you're going first and it's already being test driven by us. Okay. And for people who say, well, we don't know the long-term side, I could say the same thing for all the diabetes medicines and all the high blood pressure medicines, all the heart medicines. We take those, no questions asked, because we think they're keeping us alive. But you can watch these TV commercials with these drug company, uh, drugs on TV. And what does it say at the end of every one of those commercials? Um, it's these the longest some... of side effects, yeah. right? And even death, a lot of them end with- Exactly. Yes. So I just need to put this in perspective for people. When we are holding these vaccines to a much higher standard than we do to the things we hold sacred and trust every day, like the medications we take. And again, I will say it, the food, the food we eat, the beauty products we consume, all the colognes and perfume, all those things have all sorts of substances and we don't question them to wonder well what's going to happen to me long term if i'm putting this on my skin or if i'm eating this so i just right. want to be educated consumers of products and not single out scientific advancements like this vaccine so i i i have a, does this make sense at this all this makes perfect absolutely sense. Perfect sense. and you're so clear in your description, and I appreciate the analogies that you've given us as well, because it's really hitting home and it's really driving your points home. I appreciate that. I'm sorry, uh, Jazz, go ahead. Don't you ever interrupt me like that again, okay? <laughs> not, yeah. Don't you ever in your life. Make that your oh, last I'm time, saying, my friend. Oh my God. So I want to ask you a personal question, Dr. Fitzpatrick. And you can, uh, don't, you make, can, don't make it It's too not personal. too personal. I'm not too personal. So you said you did participate <laughs> in the first phase. Of the trial, no, no phase three, phase three, in the Moderna trial. Yes, I. So, did. do you know if you got the placebo or you got the the actual um, vaccine? I'm waiting to find out because now okay. that the FDA has approved the Moderna vaccine, they will unblind the study. And so, what that means is these studies, the uh, the researchers, the clinicians, even the patients like me, we don't know which one we got, and so that's why we call it blinded. Okay. So now that the results are in and it shows that the vaccine works really well, they're going to tell us if we got the vaccine or not. And those of us who didn't get it, they're going to give it to us if we want it. Okay. So do you think you got the vaccine? You're pretty smart. I had some side effects. Had some side life. effects. Okay. Okay. So what but the thing is, as I thought about it and I said, well, even if these side effects were the vaccine, this is better than having COVID-19. Because you know how long my side effects lasted for 12 hours. I would be like flat on my bed or on my back in the bed for at least a week, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I was down for almost 10 days. You um, see? I had it. It, was, it was the worst experience of my life. I'm an asthmatic and I, I had the flu vaccines. I took the flu vaccine when I was 50 and it mm -hmm. put me on my back. And it's an, I mean, and I think that's what my fear is. I did the flu vaccine twice in my entire life. I did it when I was 23 years old. I got so sick, I was hospitalized for a week. Then I was 50 and my, my healthcare physician was like, hey Gary, you're 50, you're asthmatic, you should take the flu shot, it's different from now, da da da. I took it again, got hospitalized again for another week. Um, from the let's, side. Talk, I, let's that's talk my, about that. 
Okay. So remember I was saying vaccines are tricking the body into thinking it had the infection so it can protect you? Yes. So I make it that simple so that people can understand the general concept behind a vaccine. But when you think about what is going on inside your body to put that armor on and to protect you, it has to gear up for all that. So there's all sorts of stuff going on inside your body to get it ready. And so when that happens, it creates, it wreaks some havoc. So that's an unusual, you know, that's an unusual response, but I'm not surprised. I mean, everybody's immune system is different and different. it will respond differently when the immune system is being shaken up to respond uh, to protect you from something much worse. Because if you, you might be someone who, if you get the flu, you're going to be down for a lot longer than a week. And a lot of people actually die from the flu. Yeah. So even if the flu vaccine isn't perfect every year, it's close enough that it provides some protection. So let's say you have on half your armor and not all your armor. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to raise that because people tell me that all the time too. Well, I don't want to get the flu shot because it gave me the flu. Mm -hmm. Back to the risk assessment. Do you want to have the flu? The flu is pretty awful. Mm -hmm. And that can also in, land you in the ICU or dead. So what would be your closing message, Dr. Fitzpatrick, to, to, um, to folks? And, what are your uh, takeaways? Like, if, we, if they don't remember anything else you said, what should, what should they remember about this that podcast? He, what you're saying that your even message? if we didn't have a vaccine, because it really is kind of a miracle, it's a scientific advancement that we have a vaccine this fast. But even without the vaccine, it has always been within our control to stop the spread of coronavirus. Nice. This is a transmissible infectious disease and we know how to prevent its spread. So I want to remind people, if you feel sick and it doesn't have to be, I'm so sick, I can't get out of bed. We know that there are people who hardly have any symptoms at all. I need people to tune in to their bodies and say, hmm, I got this, you know, I got this ache. This is weird today. Like, let me just yeah. stay home and let me stay away from people until I can see what it is. Let it declare itself. And then after a couple of days, you're feeling fine. Okay, put on your mask and you go on out. But where are people who don't have coronavirus, where are they getting it from? They're getting it from people who have coronavirus. You're right. This is why we are asking people to wear a mask. Yes, it may not be perfect. Like people say, oh, well, where's the science behind wearing a mask? Well, guess what? Nothing is perfect, but isn't it better to have a barrier? If someone's coughing and spewing coronavirus germs, you can, you can hold some of that back by just wearing a mask. That's Simple it. stuff. Yeah. It sucks to wear a mask. I'll be the first one to tell you I hate it. But we have the power. Stay home if you don't feel well. You got to pay attention, though. Do you not feel? How many people go to work? They're like, oh, I don't feel that sick. I can still go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, That's done it tons happening. of times. Yeah. Wear a mask and the social distancing. I know that sucks too. Mm -hmm. But guess what? We could have been out of this pandemic a long time ago. But here we are. Nine months later, 10, it's actually 
probably almost a year later. Mm-hmm. And we are yeah. still trying to get convince everybody to wear a mask, wash their hands, and practice social distancing. In a distance. It's a disgrace, but we can do it. It's, we are in control, even without a vaccine. So that's my parting message. Do your part. There you go. And, uh, and before you, before we, we, we chime out, we're going to, we're going to end this podcast, but can you tell us a little bit about your company, Grapevine Company, and how people can get more information regarding your company? They want to reach out to your company and learn more about it. Yeah, thanks so much. So you probably noticed I don't necessarily talk like a doctor. No, right. <laughs> doctor, if you want mm-hmm. me to talk about randomized double-blind placebo trials and, you know, efficacy versus, eff- I mean, I can talk all about that, but I know people don't understand what I'm saying. The reason we are so confused is because we have to make it plain for people, make it relatable and help them understand it. That's what my company aims to do. We want to create, we're we're pretty new, it's early days for us, but we want to create video content around health information, health communication, and disseminate that or spread it through the web and on social media so people can ask questions and get the kind of information they can understand. Because it's also boring to have, you know, doctors and scientists just sort of talking at you. Right, so they're talking so to you. So we use storytelling and conversations with community members to get our messages across. So that's what we're gonna be doing. We're building what I'm calling a health literacy media enterprise. Wow, let's get it. And wait, what's your, you have a website? Yeah, you have a, you yeah. have a website? Let's so hear it's it. Great, it's Grapevine Health, but it's .co, not .com. Because okay. someone else has .com. I'm not too happy about that. Okay. Um, but you can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Grapevine Health, Twitter, at Health Grapevine, because Grapevine Health is taken. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can also just um, you know Google Grapevine Health. You'll find us. Okay. We have a YouTube channel. You can see some of our videos. We'll be talking to experts and community members about a variety of things, not just coronavirus. I appreciate you so much, Dr. Fitzpatrick. So, uh, Jazz, what are your closing remarks, Jazz? My closing remarks uh, is similar to Grapevine Health. I have to talk uh, talk down to speak to you, G. That's what <laughs> I have to yeah, talk keep down. Keep it plain. Keep, keep it plain. No, Dr. Plain. Fitzpatrick, thank you so much. I know you're very busy. Um, um, uh, I know that uh, um, the information that you provided for our listeners this is going to go a, a very long way. Um, I hope that um, my hope is that most folks in our community um, get the virus because we are. Um, disproportionately, you mean the vaccine, right? The, the vaccine, thank you. Yeah. We are this disproportionately being impacted um, by the vaccine than other groups. And so I really hope that we, we make that, that, that good informative decision. I think you gave, you gave our listeners some really good information so they can Absolutely. make that decision. And I, and I thank you so much for being a guest. Yes. Thank so you listen, all for having me. Yes, we appreciate you. you. Yes. So listen, thank you again, listeners, for joining us. We had Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick on our show. I'm G. And I'm Jax. And this is G talking all that jazz. And we're out. Peace.